Rock. Paper. Pixels. I am Patrick Avioli, and welcome to Rock Paper Pixels. The focus of this podcast is to discuss how our need to communicate has created a new economy based on information, education, promotion, entertainment, and the arts. Our returning guest today is a four-time Pulitzer Prize-winning photojournalist and the director of the photojournalism department at Rochester Institute of Technology. By the way, he is also the official photographer of The Who and author photographer of a brand new book called Join Together with the Band. Today he's going to talk a lot about that and also discuss those early rock and roll years. So please welcome <laughs> Professor William Snyder. How you doing, William? And thank you for returning to this podcast and do it again for me. I appreciate it. Well, thank you very much for having me again, Patrick. I, I, it's, it's a lot of fun. I, I, I enjoy it. Today, I'm going to be sitting back uh, a lot, and I'll come in every now and then. But I kind of want to dedicate the entire episode today about your rock and roll history. You're shooting The Who for, I believe, 30 years now? How long has it been? Well, um, okay. So depends on how you want to date it. The very first time I ever shot them, photographed them was in 1976, but it was, you know, I was in the audience back up in the rafters. Okay. Uh, so then the first time I actually ever actually shot them, I was on an internship in 1980 and photographed them, uh, there, uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. And then when I was in De and I was in Miami after I graduated, I worked at a place called the Miami News, and I did what two or three two shows, I think it was. Uh, I did uh, what was what's now sort of a really big uh, show in their history at Shea Stadium. It was the second night of of two sold out shows at Shea Stadium. <laughs> Wait a minute, what year and was that? What year? That was nineteen eighty. Two, I believe. Okay. Because um, <clears throat> I was so, at my wife's house in Flushing, and yeah. she was all excited that she could hear the Who in her backyard. Well, well, as well she should have been. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. But it, that was it. Was a really good show, as I remember it. And um, and there's actually a video out of it now, uh, oh, which is wow. really pretty cool. And uh, the other thing that was really cool about it was that uh, the Clash opened for them, <laughs> and so I had I had never seen them before. You know, obviously I, I knew some of their music. I hadn't been a a big fan of theirs up to that point, and then once I saw them, I was kind of hooked. Um, so that was nice. I saw them there. Um, I, I I was sent up there by my newspaper to to photograph them for because they were going to open up the second leg of that tour. This was their farewell tour. Um, they were going to open up the second leg of that tour in um, in Orlando at the then Tangerine Bowl, and so and then I went to Orlando and photographed that show too. Um, the thing we're jumping over, I just wanted you to just to clear up a little bit. You said mm -hmm. you started with an internship with Miami, the, the newspaper. What internship? No, no, I started the internship I had uh, in 1980 was with the Arizona Republic. Okay. Um, in Phoenix, Arizona. And then I, I worked for the Miami News. Uh, when I graduated, I shot for them. I worked for them for a couple of years, two and a half years, almost exactly. And then from there, I went to the Dallas Morning News. So I you spent had 23 a, years there. You had to be pretty good early 
is what I'm getting at here, for them to send you on and do this, no? Well, they knew, you know, they knew that I was a big fan of The Who. Uh, And, you know, we traveled a fair bit. I mean, that was the great thing about about the Miami News was, we were we were tiny compared to the Miami Herald. Okay. I mean, our photo staff was only six people. Okay. But we did okay. about seventy five percent of what the Miami Herald did, and you know, for a, for a paper of that size, we had a pretty hefty budget, and so there were, um, you know, I managed to. I, I can't remember whether I went to them with the idea or they said, "Hey, how would you like to?" And um, I was all over it, and sure, so of course. And that was that was the first time. Um, I do remember one of the worst things about the evening was it was it was kind of drizzly. Yes. So that yes. was a that was a pain in rear end. Yeah, you're talking about the Shea Stadium one, right? Yep. yep. Yeah. Yes. It, yeah, I remember it. Oh my god, I remember yeah. talking to my wife about it. But anyhow, uh, I'm, this is a fascinating young start. You had to be about 24, 25. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, I was. Uh, in 82, I was eight. Uh, if it was late enough, I was 23. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I graduated from, from college when I was, I hadn't, uh, I was, uh, 81. So I would have been what 20, I was 21. Okay. So, okay. So yeah, after, no. after this show, was there some kind of connection established with them? Well, the, in, 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 the, in the Arizona show in Phoenix, um, this is 1980. Mm-hmm. So there was none of this three songs and out like you have now and, <laughs> and different passes and all of that. I mean, I had a photo pass, so I got to shoot the whole show because they didn't need it uh, for the next day, day's paper. And so I hung around and went backstage and I ended up talking to Pete for, oh, I don't know, half an hour, 45 minutes. And we had a good conversation and... You know, he went his way and I went mine. And, you know, I've teased him about it occasionally because uh, that was actually a pretty big night for him. Because one, one day he told me that that night was the first time he'd ever eaten oysters. And I was like, you're eating oysters in Phoenix, Arizona? He's like, yeah. <laughs> and then the other thing is, and this is, this is I'm not saying anything out of, out of turn because it's in his autobiography. Okay. He, um, he met some young woman who he'd kind of heard of or whatever. And um, they ended up going back to his hotel, and he had a large wad of cash of, that had been given to him by the merch dealer. And he woke up in the morning, and that money was gone. And from that episode came the, you know, uh, came the song "Did You Steal My Money?" So, and 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 I've often and and I said to him after we were after his autobiography came out and we were talking about it, I said, now, wait a minute. You and I had a really nice long talk. Why didn't you didn't put that in the book? Why, I don't understand why. And he just looked at me and laughed. So, you know. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing stories. Insight to stand there. Now, n- not to be morose, but this is post-Keith Moon, right? Yes, yes. Keith died in 78. Um, you know, it was, it was really tragic and unfortunate. And, uh, although not, not, you know, if you were paying any attention, you were surprised he lived that long. Well, yeah. Um, and you know, we all kind of thought that the who was over at that point and then yeah. they decided to keep going. Um, 
I think, you know, Pete, <clears throat> excuse me, Pete was kind of becoming, I don't know if you want to say annoyed or tired of or whatever with the band. And he saw Keith's departure as an opportunity to change it up some and, you know, bring in a different kind of drummer and Kenny Jones and then, you know, expand the orchestration on tour, you know, add keyboard players, add, um, at one point they added horns on, I think that, I think that tour at Shea Stadium had horns. I don't remember, but there were. And so, you know, he, he thought maybe that would make a difference, but it really didn't. Yeah, you know, he, he, he lasted, I guess, four more years, three and a half, really, with the band, because Keith died in 78, yeah. right as they were releasing, or right after they'd released Who Are You? And then they were, they did a, they toured in 79. I think they might have done a show or two. No, I think it was all in 79. Um, now, I saw them again. I saw them in... 79 i didn't photograph them but i saw them uh in buffalo uh -huh. at a venue there um it was and it was the show after uh cincinnati so um that and makes sense. you you know what i'm talking about right no no it's what what i'm not a rock cincinnati. and roller i'm not a rock and roller ah well my, okay my well here it. i'm not a rock and roller. I, i'll pull it up uh, yeah. So on December third, nineteen seventy nine, uh -huh. um, the Who were playing at a place called Riverfront Coliseum in Cincinnati, yeah, sure. and um, this was a place that <clears throat> had what they called stadium seating, which was no seating on the main floor. So um, what they what they did was. Um, it, it was one of those things where they kind of kept the doors closed and, you know, and waited till it got like really sick and then opened the doors. And when they opened the doors, uh, you know, they were supposed to, I guess, open the doors at around seven, you know, show started at eight or eight thirty, and people got really annoyed and everything like that. And, um, then when they opened the doors, uh, there was a stampede, literally. Oh God! And in that, and in that, um, and in that time, uh, there were um, let's see, eleven people died, and twenty six others um, had injuries, and, and and I guess went to the hospital. Now I'm sorry. Uh, and they weren't even, you know, the promoters. They didn't even know. They went on. And, and they didn't even know that it had happened. The promoters didn't tell them until after the show. Oh, my God. Um, and so uh, it was a horrible thing for them. It was obviously a horrible thing for the families and stuff. And, um, and I saw them the next night and, uh, or their next show. I can't remember if it was exactly the next night or whether it was, uh, you know, two nights later. Yep. But, you you know, I remember them talking about it from the stage and Pete played. He was he was amazing because when he becomes emotional, his playing is is just out of this world. So it, you could tell it was an, uh, a mixture of anger and frustration. Um, but that's that's the only that's the only. Well, that's only one of two 
who shows that I've ever been to that I didn't that I didn't photograph. Every other show I've ever been, I've photographed. Now there's some Pete shows that I've been to that I had didn't photograph at, but there's no who shows except for those two. Wow. So That's, well, the other thing I remember at that time, and this mm -hmm. is like just a little tiny trivia. My good friend Nick Fiore is another huge music person, mm -hmm. and when that album came out. I believe it was a shot on the stage before a setup. The cover of the album was all of them on the stage of a concert, but it was like with all the gear was out. It wasn't really set up for the concert yet. And are he, you talking about who are you? I think so. I'm trying to remember the okay, cover. Okay, if you're talking about who are you, what that is is that's that's not that wasn't on a stage. What that what that is is they were they were at. I, I can't remember if they were at their sound stage or where they were, but it was, you know, there was a bunch of equipment and stuff there. And, you know, the photographer put them on that, um, uh, on that stuff. And, you know, as everybody says, uh, they had, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Keith had put on some weight. And so the photographer had put him in a, in a chair right at the, at the front. Right. And turn the chair around so he could lean on it, and That's the right. chair says not to be taken away. That's right. That was amazing. Yeah. So, I, you I, know. Yeah. I, that's like I wanted to see if I had it right. Man, dude, this was 40 years. And yeah. it rained, my friend Nick pointed that out. He goes, take a look at that. Yeah. And that was so like far. Yeah. Um, I'm not – like I say, I'm not sure – where it was shot i can't remember it might have been shot at um at their um at that point they owned a a, a movie studio okay, and it might have been there where they kept their um where they kept all their equipment that's become uh, like a, a story over the years right yeah oh yeah little well, chair thing that's what i was oh thinking. yeah yeah that's an amazing little thing. But after these early years, did they stay together in the eighties? Um, no, they didn't. Right? No, yeah. Pete really. I mean, they would get back together again occasionally for one-off things. They did the concert for Campuchia and a couple of other things. Um, and then finally, they did a tour in nineteen eighty-nine, and it, they really didn't tour as the Who mm. per se. Um, they, uh, I can't remember. It was what they were doing is they were touring Tommy. Uh, they were playing oh, Tommy. Yeah, yeah. And and so they um, they you know they didn't think of it as a as a Who tour. It was the 25th anniversary of of their their band. And Pete likes to call it because I mean it was a huge huge band. Yeah. Uh, oh my god! Excuse me. And and. Um, there were what? Uh, let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. There were thirteen people besides Pete, Roger, and John on stage. So they had a horn section, and they had another guitar, and they had a different drummer, and um, you know, uh, uh, backup singers and a per and percussion, and all of that. And um, and Pete like to call that the the who on ice tour because it was such a big production and the thing was is that they played um and one of the reasons they really don't consider it even though it says that um 
they played several of Pete's solo songs on that tour. That's what, yeah, okay, that was the next thing. Yeah. The next thing I was going to ask you, he went into a, a very different mode, didn't he, around that time? Well, um, he, what had happened was he had done, he had released his first solo album, I think in 77 or 78, um, and Roger was actually annoyed because there were two or three songs on that album that he, he wished The Who had done. Um, oh, it was 1980. It was called Empty Glass. And um, so it was, um, it, it, it sort of annoyed Roger. But, you know, it had a really pretty good reception, um, Empty Glass did. And so I think that also gave Pete some confidence to sort of be out on his own and so he he released i don't know five six solo albums yeah um, i'm remembering this now yeah i mean he, he released empty glass all the best cowboys have chinese eyes that's, that's the, the iron man uh psychoderelict um <laughs> i can't remember all of them uh that that might have been it as far as um original albums and then there's a whole bunch of stuff that he released from um from his archive from his you know his tape archives and um and then from uh um from live concerts and stuff that he did um he did uh, one of the great things that he did and there's there's not too many of these there's a um he had a band in 85 I think it was it was a really great great band and um, and he did it sort of to uh, to promote White City the album White City and um, and he did I don't know four shows with them and and it's just an amazing band it was an amazing amazing band and why he didn't take that that uh, band on tour and, and really tour with it. I don't know. But uh, his first real, 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 real full-fledged solo tour actually wasn't until 1993 when he toured Psychoderelic. Um, and that was a big production too because there was, it was like a radio play and he had actors on the stage and a big band and all of that and spoken lines and things and it was it was an interesting production but sounds i digress bit, sounds a little bit like laurie anderson around that same time i don't know if you ever saw her, or yeah, her. probably i mean you know the the thing about pete was that when he writes he has to have a story yeah okay uh you know he very quickly developed that as a singles writer and then obviously then you have um you know, you had you had this one thing called A Quick One While He's Away that was on, I think, their second album, A Quick One. Uh, and it was like, a, I think, 8, 10, 11 minutes long. And what it was, it was a bunch of little songs kind of put together. But it was uh, what he likes to call the mini opera. And oh, um, yeah, that's the other thing. so that was the first one. And then obviously there was Tommy. Yeah, and then there was we keep skipping over, but that's okay. Like such yeah. an epic thing that <clears throat> changed the world of rock and roll. Un un unbelievable what that did. That is 
Yeah. Just well, I mean, you know, I mean, it was the first time. Now, there had been one other thing done uh, that kind of preceded it, but I don't think Pete was really looking at that. Um, I don't think it provided him any inspiration. And I really, right now, the name, um, the name escapes me. But, you know, his, their then manager was encouraging him to do longer, more different things and was encouraging him to, you know, quote unquote, do an opera because it was a way to sort of shake up the music world. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. That's not, well, some of the other things I want to ask you is, and, and I don't know how to put this the right way, but I'm just going to try and say it and not say it uh -huh. wrong or, or any kind of way. You know, you I've spoken to you twice now, and obviously you seem to be a very down-to-earth, normal, obviously have a conversation with anyone you're talking to me. What is it like being with these icons, these people? These They seem, from what you're saying, to be very nice, normal, good people. And I'm not looking for inside stories. I'm just talking about your feelings. Like, uh, uh, you know what I'm trying to say? I have a good friend. No, no, no. Uh, you know, uh, look, um, there, I, I, I can say this about, I mean, look, in my job, when I used to work for the newspaper, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've met a lot of these, you know, a lot of famous people. Yeah. And, you know, for the most part, they're like everybody, you know, they're like everybody else. Now, you know, somebody like Pete and Roger, yeah, yeah. You know, they became relatively big early. So, you know, they grew. They, they, knew they, ha they have some, some, some habits about them that, that you know, aren't quite <clears throat> sort of the social norms. But here's the thing. When I, you know, the thing I remind everybody is that when I started working with them, they were in their 50s already. Yeah, yeah. So you know, all the all of that wild, crazy stuff was long gone by the time I really hung out with him. Now, uh, I first met Pete in 1993, and um, he had supposedly stopped drinking, but right around that time he started again. And actually, I have my wife and your mutual, your friend to. I don't know if I want to say thank, but I, I spent an evening with him or part of an evening with him um, because the road show of Tommy, Tommy was on Broadway and the road show okay. version of it opened in New York, okay. which is how I ended up. I mean, we're opened in Dallas, which is why I ended up going to New York to photograph and inter interview him in the first place. So, you know, there was after the show, there was a big party. Yeah. At, at uh, uh, you know, at, at at a restaurant, and so we were kind of hanging out, and we were doing different things, and then I would wander in and out, and and finally, my wife said, "I got to go home," and I was like, "Uh, like I got to go home." <laughs> so I took her home, and I didn't go home, and ended up that Pete Pete was there for another, I don't know, three hours, and you know, really got, it really turned into party Pete. And, uh, that's the one, one thing I missed because I, I've never seen that Pete. Yeah. Really, um, really the point I'm getting at is how do you personally 
you know, you, you start, I'm not even talking about the, the, the you know, drinking or, the, or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about, see, you've had a different career than most people that I know from academia. I mean, I think you've learned how to handle this at a very young age. I am a very starstruck person. Mm-hmm. And I always want to ask them a lot of questions in the sense of, how do you deal with this? You know what I mean? Like, and I yeah. keep asking you that same question. When you're around people of this, you know, there, there's no one that you can't say the who, you know, Pete Townsend, Roger Daltrey, John Entwistle, Keith Moon, and they don't know who you're talking about. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, you know, at that time's going ahead of us, right? But yeah. like, what is, you know, being around these people, it's got to make you sometimes fall into their mindset of who you are. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Like, well, no, I know. I understand exactly what you mean. Now, okay. So let me let me let me say let me answer kind of part of that because uh, you're right. I really didn't answer the first part. No, no, no. I you know I just I you know I'm curious and I want to talk to people. And yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I may be starstruck, but I'm, I'm, I don't mind talking to people. A lot of that depends on how they respond to me. The very first time I ever talked to Pete, he talked to me. I mean, uh, here, here's what I want you to picture. As I walked backstage, and you know how these arenas are, they're, you know, linoleum and, uh, you know, tiled ceilings and lights and fluorescent lights, and they're not, you know. And so I remember I walked back, and there was this gaggle of girls, mm-hmm. and I was like, what is that? And I looked, and if you don't know, Roger's kind of diminutive. He's like 5'7", maybe, you know? And, um, and so these, these women, these girls were all surrounding Roger. Yes, they and, were. <laughs> yeah, because he was signing autographs and all of that stuff. And I kind of looked around, and Pete was standing back, away from him by himself, uh, except for one guy. One guy was standing there talking to him. Now, I don't know where Kenny was or where John was, and I really, to be honest, I didn't really care. Uh, I was looking for Pete. And so Pete was over there with this guy, and so I went over there and stood by, and, you know, and the guy stopped talking to him, and I, you know, and he kind of looked at me, and I just, you know, hey, how you doing? And, And we just started talking, and we had a lot of, you know, we had a lot of stuff that we were talking about. I don't remember much of it, although I do remember that part of the conversation was about then, uh, it was relatively new. It was Keith Jarrett's Sun Bear Concerts multi-disc, you know, multi-album set. And I had heard like one piece of it and he had it and he loved it. And so we talked about that and we, you know, we talked about music and, and things like that. We've always been able to talk about things that's, together. That's really um, what I'm asking. That's really yeah, what I'm Yeah, it just, it, it's, it's, you know, I mean, there, when I did this interview with him for Tommy, for the Broadway Tommy, I had mapped this all out, and we were supposed to talk for, I, I can't remember what it was originally supposed to be, maybe Short 45 minutes, yeah, yeah. maybe an hour or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, and, and his, uh, PA, his personal assistant, who I now know is a good friend of mine, Nicola. She, you know, she was supposed to come and give like a five minute warning. And then, you know, 
so she came in, we'd been talking and, and she came in and he was like, okay, you know, and then, and then she came in to get me and he says, you know, uh, we can wait a few more minutes. And he and I kept talking. She came in again, you know, he shoot her away again. And so it, it went like 15, 20 minutes long. And then we went. And so, so we're doing really, really well. Everything is going great. Yeah. And so now this is Pete right here. This is Pete. Uh, so we'd been getting along really well and the conversation was going really well. And, and, and it's like, Oh, well, we got to, you know, let's go take the pictures. And he says, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I've been thinking, you know, Tommy Pete Townsend on Broadway. So I'm wondering, will you walk, will you go out to, you know, the Times Square? And then he just like, bang, the switch went on. He says, I'm not doing that. Whoa. And I said, Whoa. Okay. And so I sort of, you know, <laughs> thought for a minute. I said, well, you got any ideas? And icy cold. That's not my job. And I said, okay. And then I said, well, what if we, we were, what we were is we were up in an, in an office above the St. James theater, mm -hmm. which is where Tommy was. And I said, well, can we go down to the stage and, and shoot some things down there? And he says, yeah, sure. You know, suddenly boom, he's back. And we went down and he did a few of the things that I wanted him to do. And and they had been running through the projections in the back, and there was this one Excellent. really cool one. Excellent. And I said, you know, I talked to the stage guy, and I said, can you get that back and hold it up there? And they were like, yeah, sure. So I pulled him down. He had he had done a, you know, sort of a stupid pose on one of the pinball machines. But then I, I got him down in, the, down in the seats, and I have this really, really nice picture of him with uh, this, this uh, there's this graphic um, a projection and it's Tommy sort of in the middle, you know, this little kid. And then there are these silhouettes of like his mom and dad sort of, you know, yelling at him. And this is during uh, beginning, you know, amazing journey. You didn't hear it. You didn't see it, you know, and all that stuff and, or not amazing journey, but anyway. And so I made that picture and evidently he really liked it. And sounds lots of people wonderful. liked it. Yeah. Sounds great. And, uh, and you know, it, I was told that he really liked the interview. He really liked the article I wrote and, you know, I've, I've always been able to talk to him about, but there are times where Pete can be very, very, very prickly. Okay. And so you just have to be kind of careful. Um, I mean, I've had him literally yell at me and curse me, curse at me from the stage during a show wow. <laughs> for I don't know what, but I'm not matter. the only one. It's just, it doesn't matter. And, and both times, I mean, he did it twice <laughs> during, during one of the tours I was on and both times he, you know, he, he went, in his way, he apologized, you know, he did it one time and I don't know what, I was just down there in the pit and I had the camera and I'm just on him really tight. And all of a sudden he looks at me and he was just like, fuck you, get out of here go away, fuck off. You know, I hope I can say that yeah, you're fine. on your show. You're fine. And, um, you know, I mean, he didn't do it in the mic, but he was mouthing it at me and I was like, okay. And, you know, and I skittered off and I went over to, to, uh, to Roger's side of the stage and stayed over there. <laughs> and then after a while, oh yeah. And then after a while he, he saw me over there and he was like, you know, making his head, you know, like going, come on over, come on, come on. You know, and he'd, he'd motion for me to come back over, you know, and everything. And then during the, during, you know, they did an encore on that tour. So during the, you know, during the break when they finished Won't Get Fooled Again and went back to 
you know, have dry off a little bit and have a drink. You know, he was Mr. Friendly and Wonderful again. And, uh, you know, so that's the thing with Pete. You just got to realize sometimes he's going to be, you know, one night, um, uh, one night we were, uh, I can't remember where we were. And I went in to, I I caught him in his, in his, in his dressing room. And I was like, Hey, you got a minute. I need to ask you something. And so I went to ask him about shooting some pictures. And he's like, no, I don't want to do that. And I'm like, okay. And so, and then he starts talking to me and he starts asking me questions. And the next thing you know, we're standing there for 30 minutes talking about stuff. Um, there was one time Tommy had a, a, a revival up in Canada, um, uh, at, at a, at a festival up there. And so we were all there for opening night. And then there was a, there was a, uh, there was a party and hung out a little bit and, and talked a little bit. And I had my, my oldest, my youngest son with me. And so the next day, what we did was we went and we redid those Tommy pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he was, he just didn't want to do it and he didn't want to be there. And he was like, you know, come on, come on, you know, are you done? And that, and I thought, okay, he wants to get out of here. Well, the minute I stopped taking pictures, we start talking. And the next thing you know, he and my son and I are in this long conversation. We must have stood there for 45 minutes and talked. You know, it was all about, I mean, that's the thing. And that's the thing with Pete. You know, I don't remember how we got on it, but we started talking about Islam and the Quran. And he said he'd read like three different versions of the Quran. And he started explaining to me, you know, this whole thing about women wearing covers and, and all of that and where that came from. And, you know, and, and I'm like, wow. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the guy is brilliant. He really that's, is. That's my whole point. That yeah. was what and, the point I was trying to bring, not, not me bring out, but what yeah. I was going to say to you, the more brilliant they are, the more eclectic yeah. personalities may be. I think they work on a different set of waves or. Oh, Oh, Listen, listen, I tell you, um, are you familiar with the album Who's Next? Yeah, I mean, I grew up in this time, and my friends okay. pounded me with it. Well, it's, well, and rightfully they should have. It's, Abs- it's, abso- it's an amazing album. Absolutely. But, but here's the thing. That was an aborted project that was supposed to replace Tommy. And it was a, it was a project called Lifehouse. And what it was, it, I mean... And I can't explain it to you perfectly because it, it it's really a convoluted story. And it, you know, Pete had a minor breakdown really working on it. Uh, post-apocalyptic world, um, highly, highly polluted. Um, there is There is this thing called the grid that connects everybody. And in that grid, you can you can go on virtual real you can go into a virtual reality world because it'll you know you put on your things and you go yeah, and yeah. you do virtual reality, and and it's the grid is controlled by a major media company that's sort of trying to control people, and then you know and then there's this sort of small back to the earth <laughs> group of people where rock music will you know take you to another dimension. Uh, but I mean, basically the grid, if you follow that, I mean, basically it's, it's talking about the internet of course, and, and all of that and this, you know, and he was doing this in 1972. Um, and you know, I remember one time we were, uh, I was in his, in his suite in LA 
on the 2000 tour and he said come over let's hang out and so so i did and we were we were, i don't know we were talking about stuff and and he's talking about the creative process and he said you know one of these days i i expect them to have some sort of like robot like thing where you you know you're connected to it and you want to create something and you think it out and then this thing goes and does it for you um ai yeah (laughs) well it's yeah essentially but you control it and and it can create you know whatever it might be music or drawings or paintings or whatever but i mean you know I mean, the guy thinks about all of this stuff and is really, really well, like I said, really well read and, and, um, you know, very opinionated. And that was one of the things that, that was attractive about him is you had this dichotomy of this guy who can be incredibly nasty and violent and, and, and embodies sort of the frustration of, of adolescent youth even into, yeah. you know, yes, middle yes, age, yes, but also been, incredibly yeah. cerebral. And that's why he could bring it, in my opinion, that's why he could bring it to fruition. Yeah. Because two things you talked about so far. Yourself, you mentioned about curiosity. That, to me, is the hallmark of the next thing, which is high intelligence. Yeah. If you're not curious, like... I don't want to go into academia, William, that's not worth it, but <laughs> yeah, but uh, the whole premise of my last little book I did is the concept of what if, and to me, the concept of what if has everything to do with curiosity. If you're not curious, you just don't go forward. Yeah. I just don't think you'll go forward. And I don't know this person, obviously, the you know, obviously the way you do. But I think just from what you're saying, his curiosity would cause him to read certain books, and his intelligence would probably constantly gnaw at him. Oh, yeah. And when you have that with an artist, man, I think they go into a whole other world. Yeah. You've been witness to this. And now you seem to, from what I'm saying, obviously, you seem to be closer with Pete than any of the other members. Well, you know... How nicely I just said. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, you know, here's the thing. When I first went out with them in 2000, I would say that we were very close. I mean, I had the ability to just walk into his dressing room, you know, just quick knock, unannounced, walk in there. I would go to, you know, I visited him in his hotel rooms many, many times, you know, and we kind of talked and hung out. Um, then John died, and then he got, you know, he had that that stupid thing with the with the internet porn. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and he became a little more reserved and a little more distant. Plus, he had um, he had finally broken, uh, you know, divorced his wife of many many years. Uh, and uh, had this new partner. Uh, and so he spent a lot more time with her. Mm-hmm. And on that first tour, he was on the road by himself and <clears throat> his first time out, and I was a familiar face and, yeah. you know, fresh and always smiling and everything. And, and so as the years have gone by, 
you know, we still interact and we still have conversations from time to time. We email occasionally, you know, there'll be times where I'll email him and I never, and I don't hear anything back. There are other times when I email and 30 minutes later, I've got a response and we have a little bit of a conversation. So again, it's all quixotic. I realized as I was putting together my book that I've actually spent overall, I've actually probably spent more personal time with Roger than I have with, with Pete. I've been out, I've had lots of meals with Roger and I don't mean just, you know, in catering. Uh, I've had a bunch of those with Pete, but I've, uh, you know, I've, I've been to a couple of parties with Roger and, you know, I've spent more time with him alone or, you know, in, in small groups than I have with Pete. And so, you know, wow. And so it's one of those things. And I realized, oh, yeah, well, you know, and, and the thing is, is both of them have been incredibly generous with me, both with their time and the access and, you know, and as part of it, you know, mon- you know, financially, because yeah. I don't do everything for free. Yeah. And um, <laughs> no, I do some, but not everything. And, Just and you know, and they've been and they've been very good about it. And so, you know, are we close friends? No. Yeah, yeah. But are we yeah. friends? You know, acquaintances, absolutely. It's always a hug. It's always, you know, how you doing? How you feeling? You know, that sort of thing. And and, and, how, and for me, that's enough. Yeah. How humbling is it to stand next to Roger Daltrey? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, part of part of the deal of standing next to Roger Daltrey is I've gotten to know him enough over the years that you know I can poke fun at him, <laughs> and 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 you know, and we and we can share jokes. I mean, Roger Daltrey is a goofball. Well, yeah, he's no, a I'm really just, nice guy, but he's a goofball. No, he's I'm very just, conservative, but he's a goofball. I'm just talking about. I'm going back in my mind to high school, to, oh, going yeah. to the Zigfield Theater with a high school trip, seeing Tommy, and watching the girls just disintegrate. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It just with the striped oh, yeah. shirt and the the landlubber, low hanging jeans and the whole nine yards, and I'm just like, that's a rock star. Yeah, like you look the word up in the dictionary, there would be. Oh yeah, yeah. Roger's one of the original ones. But Absolutely. you know, again, what I again, this is the thing, Patrick. I I started hanging out with them and shooting them, you know, intimately right, when right. they were fifty. Don't matter, William. Still look better yeah. than I did at twenty. <laughs> well, you know, well, I didn't look. I didn't start really hanging out with them until I was what? If this was, if we're talking two thousand. I mean, I'm 40, I was 41. That's amazing. So, you know, uh, 40, 41 in, the, in that area. But, but I, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, to knock that down. Where I really, I mean, where it really hits me, when I'm with them, it doesn't hit me that much. Right, right. But where it really hits me is when, you know, I'm surfing around on YouTube. Yep. And, you know, and I'm watching them or I throw in a disc from when they were, you know, and, and and I look at them and they were so young, yeah. you know, and, and, and these are in, in some ways, those are, those are people that I don't know. Okay. That was a Pete Townsend that I do not know. No, no. <clears throat> so, and, and the same thing with Roger, but to a lesser degree. I mean, Roger, Roger walks into a room and everybody turns. Of I mean, course. that's just the way that's it is the way it goes. because he's Roger, uh, even at 74. Oh my God. 
Here's a question. Were you around Pete Townsend when the hearing mm -hmm. issue came up? The, the tinnitus, I believe it is. Yeah, he's got tinnitus, but that, that's no. I mean, that's that's been with him since the mid late seventies. Oh, okay. There's there's a there's a in the in the in the in the documentary about them called "The Kids Are All Right." Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a there's a thing in there. He's standing there talking to Keith Moon about it and how the doctor had said, you know, that his ears were going bad and this that and the other and 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 the whole thing about it is, you know, he says he says, so what would you have me do? Would you have me quit rock and roll and and you know and and then they start going back and forth starve become a pauper and he says well no the, the, the doctor said well no actually but i would suggest you learn how to lip read <laughs> and and i gotta tell you you know <laughs> they do they pete wears hearing aids sure. roger doesn't and i think that's just pure vanity on his part okay um well, maybe wait. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Roger does wear at least one, but he also lips re lip reads pretty well too. Well, I uh, uh, my mom had tinnitus. Yeah, and I got I've tinnitus. Got it. Yeah, of course, I've got it. That's what I was going to ask you. I have it. I've had it for 18 yeah. years. And well, I got it. I I've had it for a long, long time. You know, where and, you and what what they figure, what Pete figures, you know, doing the research, and it makes perfect sense for me is. What Pete did was, you know, he would get kind of hammered and he would be working in his studio with the with the headphones on at really blasting volume and that causes a lot of problems. And I used to, uh, I, I diddled around with the drums and I put music on really loud in my ears and play and I have been known to do it after I've had a, you know, a drink or two. And so, you know. See, you so it doesn't. It doesn't. I, uh, I'm sure it's like you. It doesn't bother me as much, um, you know, when it, just in a normal right, sense right, of way. It's right, not right, that. Right. Now, since you brought it up, now I can hear it. Now I hear the ringing. <laughs> but most of the time, most of the time, I don't hear. The only time there are times where it comes on at yeah. night when I'm trying yes. to sleep. Absolutely. But. You know, it is what it is, and I don't, I don't. It, it doesn't bother me that much. It's been there for so long that it just yeah. does. It comes and goes too. It's a price, it's not constant. It's, it's part of the price. One of the yep. things I wanted to ask you in this one is, mm -hmm. and I don't want to put you on the spot, but th th I would say three, three of the biggest moments you've had with them in your shooting. The one you just described of uh, the Tommy on Broadway. That's a beautiful picture that you just painted. Oh. Thank really you. is as an artist as a designer for 40 years my 60 mm -hmm. years i could see it as you were describing it and give me a couple of more that you think are really the epitome of, of the time that you've shot with them you photographed them with huh. them. you want well let's put it this way and i think this is a perfect segue william <laughs> in your book <laughs> which one of them which one of them the the photos in the entire book joined together with the band are some of your favorites let's describe those if you can oh geez you can't you know it's like your kids right? well yeah like you said it's like you know what's your favorite kid who's your well, favorite kid well, i can tell you. i mean really seriously <laughs> because you know and it because it comes and goes and it depends sure. you know it depends i mean one of my one of my early favorites let's talk favorite this memories oh, you know God. in relationship to the shots you understand what i mean 
Well, yeah. I mean, they, they all have, you know, some of them have really vivid memories attached to them. And some of them, you know, have vague memories like from, from the early 80s. Um, you know, I just, I, you know, one of my early favorites, there are these two pictures that I made uh, in, in the, from the 1980s show. Uh, there's this picture. They had, uh, they had this, this circle of lights above the stage that used to sort of revolve uh, from time to time, especially during the song Sister Disco. And I have this picture. It's actually a very quiet picture of Roger. It's looking up at him, <clears throat> and those lights are up there, and they're like a big crown above him. He's not singing. He's just kind of standing there. And it's just really, it's a really nice image. And then I have this other picture of Pete jumping. And, um, and it's, it's really, really tight, uh, just on him. <clears throat> I always, I liked it and I couldn't figure out what it was. Part of it for me that I didn't like was I don't see his face, but the way he's got his body arched, there's a little blur in his feet. And somebody finally said, I was talking to somebody about it and I was a little disappointed in because there was no face. And they said, no, this thing looks like he's just exploding off, yes. The, yes. you know, off the, off the, the, the frame. So there's that. But, but recently kind of rediscovered a picture uh, while we were getting ready for this book. Uh, one of the things that he used to do was, um, uh, during Won't Get Fooled Again, he would sort of twirl around and, and, and wrap the guitar cord around him and then sort of come undone and all of that. And, and, and I have this frame where he's, he's all wrapped. It's, it's, it's one of those, he's, he's kind of wrapped up in the, in the guitar cord around his legs, and he's got this great expression on his face, and Roger's off to the side. And it just <clears throat> it's one of those really nice images where neither one of them is doing sort of the iconic whatever, but it still really captures the feeling of the show. And then I've got all kinds of things. I've got this, um, I've got this uh, in, in say the last, I don't know, five, six tours where they do love rain army. Um, there comes a point where, you know, right towards the end where Roger just screams out love, and, you know, at the top of his lungs. And what he'll do is there's a little bit of an instrumental break right before that. And what he'll do is he'll walk back, he'll take a drink of water, and then he'll fill up his mouth with water. And right before he screams, he spits it up into the air, and it sort of rains down on him. And if you're close enough, you too. And I have this one where he spit it up just in the right way that when he started singing Love, it's dropping down between him and me, the lights catching it. And it really looks like they're in the middle of this rain. And he's got that typical Roger Daltrey screaming into the microphone look. So there's that one. There's another one where, uh, during, um, I guess it's yeah, during sparks. Pete does this thing that he calls the Birdman, uh, or they've called a Birdman, and, you know, it's the, the he's getting all this feedback on his guitar, and he puts his arms out like he's you know like he's a, a, a bird or an airplane, and he yeah, yeah. kind of flies, and his arms are out. And um, so I have two of these that I really like. One of them is from the 2006 tour, and there's this there are these projections, just this colors and stuff, 
and it and it looks like just energy coming out of his head and he's got this really angry look on his face and it's just you know just it like i said it just looks like it's coming out of his head and then there's a version of it from 2015 where there was this projection of Tommy in the back and he's sort of in a in kind of a Christ-like pose yeah, yeah. and so in this one Tommy's basically sort of growing out of Pete's head and echoing, you know, they're both doing the same thing. So those are a couple. And then I've got some overhead pictures that I really, really like. And there's a lot of jump pictures that I like. It just, you know, and then there's all these pictures from backstage and, and elsewhere. I have this one shot, you know, my biggest disappointment of, of any time being with them was when I was touring with them in 2006, Pete actually, kind of played the huge rock star. He had his own plane because he was he was touring. He had his girlfriend with him who was also doing these side shows and they had their own entourage. And so I didn't get to really be around him much on that tour. I mean, I was excited to be on the tour, but I wasn't around him that much because a lot of times he didn't even stay in the same hotels that we did or even the same cities that we did. But there was this one time we were all on the same plane again together. And while we were waiting for the plane, uh, our, we got delayed and I don't remember why, but we're sitting in the, um, in the, you know, in the, in the waiting room lounge area to, to, to go out. And uh, there's this point where he's sitting next to Rachel, his, his partner, and he just kind of puts his head on her shoulder and she kind of closes her eyes. And I was like, I'm taking this picture and I'm not kidding you. I was so excited about it. I was doing everything I could to keep from shaking because it was just so exciting. And yes. I took like two or three frames and you know, it was one of those things I sent to Pete cause I wasn't sure if he wanted that out yeah, yeah, yeah. and boom, he turned right around and put it on his blog and put it out there. And that's one of my favorite ones from, from, from anything because that was a really nice personal intimate moment. And, um, and that's what I'm getting from this, that what you saw, what you witnessed, you mm -hmm. witnessed so many different sides of these people. Yeah. So many different sides of what no one, but you know, I don't mean to be, you know, blowing smoke up your old address here, but very few people. Yeah, I know it's a great line. I think it's from the West Wing. Uh, yeah. Very few people, very few people on the planet can tell these stories. Yeah. I mean, I'm being serious here. Well, it's, it's well I mean, you know, that's one of the things that's great about this. I mean, yeah. I, look, I'm, I'm not going to look. The reason I did this book, the reason that I've done all of this is because I'm a huge fan. Yeah, I have the utmost respect for both of them. You know, well, and John, I didn't really know John that well. But, you know, we went out and drank a few times together uh, when he was still alive. But, you know, the, the there is music that Pete has written and, and Roger has sung that have meant an awful lot to me in my youth and over and, the years. And the world. And so, so you know, um, part of it is, I think one of the reasons that I've had this is because they couldn't kind of get rid of me, you know? <laughs> and, 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 and I wasn't, you know, there was always this constant thing, what are you doing with all of this stuff? Well, I don't know. You know, one of these days, maybe I'll put out a book or whatever. But I would give it to them and they would use it. And that was one of the things. I mean, for, for really the last, you know, since I left the paper in 2006, and that's the, 
you know, I've, uh, that's the majority of the time that I've shot them. I was either working for them or just doing it for myself. Yeah. And, and, and I think that that's one of the reasons why they allowed me to hang around is, is, you know, I gave them stuff, but it was I wasn't working. a pain in the ass. I didn't, I, I didn't muck anything up. Although I finally did something really stupid on a Roger tour, but, um, I never did anything bad during the who or anything like that. And, um, you know, uh, I think part of it is they just couldn't get rid of me. I think it was also <laughs> artist to artist, Bill. Uh, William, I'm sorry. It was yeah. artist to artist. I, I think so. I mean, you know, Pete, when I first started, you know, and occasionally it still pops up, but when I first started hanging out, you know, and shooting them, you know, Pete would make fun of the Pulitzers and, um, you know, I have oh it, I God. put it on the book because he said it. And I mean, uh, he, he said it, it, it's on a couple of videos and he might've written it somewhere. I don't think so. I think he just said it a couple of times. He would call me the Pulitzer prize winning nuisance <laughs> because I was always poking a camera in the face in that 2000 tour. It became pretty meta in that <clears throat> he was shooting a lot of video. I was shooting video for him. I was shooting stills for him. And there's a lot of video of me shooting pictures of him and me having pictures of him shooting video of me and all of that crazy stuff. Um, so, oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's always fun when that happens. It's, it's really funny. I have this picture from this other thing uh, that we went to once in Austin, and Joe Walsh was there. And so I have this picture of Joe Walsh shooting a picture of me. And at one point, Years later, I'm looking at it, and I, I finally went, you know, that's kind of cool. Joe Walsh has a picture of me, <laughs> you know. Yep. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, it's things like that. Um, well, you do have one in the book of Elvis Costello. Yes. And my daughter's name is Allison. Yeah, and there that, you go. That's the reason why she's named Allison. Oh, okay. Because we well, you know <clears throat> so much. Okay, I'll tell you a little story. Good. Because I don't think I don't think uh, Elvis will ever hear this, so I'll tell <laughs> no, you this little story. So. I mean, it would you know it'd be great for you. It wouldn't be so great for me. So, <laughs> so this is this is at a benefit uh, at the, I forget what it's called, Madison Square Garden Theater. You know, it's downstairs. It used to be called something else. I don't remember. But anyway, so they're doing a they're doing a benefit down there for Teen Cancer America, and um, so Elvis. And the attractions go on first, and then it's then it's the who. Um, so anyway, so we're sitting in catering, and everybody's eating dinner, and then you know, and Elvis comes up, and he sits down, and he's eating dinner, and they start talking, and you know, and they're sharing a laugh here and there, and everything, and then all of a sudden, Elvis pulls out his iPhone, and he's 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 going through his iPhone to show Pete pictures of his daughter, I think it was, or something, one of his kids, and Pete looked at me. While Elvis had his head down looking at, and he gave me that look like, "Oh Jesus!" <laughs> of you know, course. and I just—it was the funniest thing I've 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 seen him do in a while, and, and but he was very nice about it, and you know, said of nice course. things, but but it was it was so great to see that, and you know, and it's one of those things where I felt like, okay, you know, they're human. So yeah, well, yeah, and 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 and. And and I looked at it like this. He felt comfortable enough with me to do that. Yes, he was, he was looking for someone to give the look to. 
Oh yeah, exactly. Let's look at the dump it somewhere. And 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 I got to tell you, I've had conversations with Pete, and I and I will not ever share those with anybody. Of course, of but I've had conversations with Pete where he's told me things, and I'm almost like, "Why are you telling me this?" <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not kidding you. All kinds of very intimate, personal details, and I'm like, "Okay, this you is know. the artist. This is the artist. This is the yes." I don't want to say. Well, if you want to know the artist, read his autobiography. It's like, oh my God! At one at one point, I was reading the book and I said to Amy, I said, "Why is he writing this? He he sounds pathetic." So you know what I've I've learned not learned, uh, but I don't know what the hell I have. But the give and take, the yin and yang of being the artist, the uh, just needing to spew something out to clear the cash. Yeah, read something and then go on to the next thing. I don't think they see themselves as themselves. I think they see themselves as kind of a vessel for whatever it is they wish to do. Yeah, and they've started to trust themselves, or or enable uh, to stop themselves. Yeah, and that may be what. Well, listen, I have no idea. I have not been in your shoes. But well, I, I think that's what, look, I mean, you know, in general, you know, Pete has always, you know, that's one of the things about Pete is he's always written these terribly, terribly intimate, mm-hmm. emotional pieces, which is why, you know, his music resonates with teenagers, especially so much. But <clears throat> there's an album, this album, Psychoderelic, that he wrote. Um, there are actually two or three really gorgeous telling love songs on it i mean amy my wife really really likes them and then there and then there's this one song on on his album called all the best cowboys have chinese eyes and it's called slit skirts and and to me slit skirts is this just marvelous marvelous song um about sort of um i don't know hitting your 30s uh and 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 sort of you know questioning a little bit yes. of everything yes. as he says the song starts out i was just 34 years old today and i was still wandering in a haze and so you know there were all kinds of all kinds of just really uh amazing lines in here that that i always um that always i thought holy crap this is just amazing it's wonderful it, it, um, it, it goes across years. Yeah, you know, there's there's this one stanza uh, of it, uh, if I may be so bold as to to say it. It, it. The lines are: recriminations fester in the past can never change. A woman's expectations runs from both ends of the reins. Once she walked w- woke with untamed lover's face between her legs. Now he's cooled and stifled, and it's she who has to beg. I mean, it's like holy crap. Yeah, you just did. You know, I mean, first of all, guys don't write songs like that. No, no, no. no. Women do, but not guys. And so that's one reason why I, I, you know, I read that and it it gets both. Yeah. It gets, he he brings both sides to it. Uh, There's a song on Psychoderelict um, called, uh, uh, let's see, what is that? I think it's, 
uh, oh, let me see. As I sit here and I'm talking to you, it's called uh, it, it seems like what he does, he goes from Janicean to Eric Clapton in a couple of verses from this touching young innocent yeah. to the Clapton-esque uh, kind of ageless uh, looking back over his life. Yeah. All yeah, yeah. It's it, it, it's a song called "Fake It." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. and 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 the song in the song, there's this great line in here. It says, uh, "Why not pretend that your love is real? Why not fake it? I'm going to ask you to act it. Don't let me see if you're bored. If you use the right tactic, you will hear me applaud. I don't mind what I don't mind what you're thinking. I just guess what you feel. Don't regret you've been drinking to make your pleasure look real." fake it, fake it. And I'm like, whoa, okay. <laughs> you know, and you know, and, and then the line goes on and says, I'm prepared to put up with this because I love you so much. And I know that you probably don't love me in the same way, but if you care for me at all, then take me in your arms, fabricate the way you feel. I'll just pretend that it's all for real. Fake it anyway. Like, holy crap, you know, beyond personal. Yeah. Beyond personal. And so, yeah, I mean, you, you know, and, and this is the guy you know, that, that wrote, you know, hope I die before I get old, Yeah. you know? And so, oh and, and, and the thing that I've always loved, here's the deal. Good. There, there, there are bands that have a certain sort of sound and groove to them and you kind of like it and you expect it from album to album to album. Yeah, yeah. Well, you don't get that with the who. There are no two albums by the who that right. sound okay. alike. Okay. Yes. I mean, I mean, Tommy doesn't sound like Who's Next, that doesn't sound like Quadrophenia, that doesn't sound like By Numbers, that doesn't sound like Who Are You, and even the later ones. You know, none of them sound alike. I mean, because you've got, I mean, you've got this sort of synthesizer thing running through Who's Next, this sort of modern thing, and then all of a sudden you get to Quadrophenia, and, and it's, it's horns and orchestration and bombast. It's like a Wagner yeah, opera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, it is. Yeah, it is. So, it is uh, the the. I'm trying to think. Is that the one the cover that has the uh, like the mods? From yeah. England. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my god. That yeah, I mean, and that's that is an album that so many young men oh, yes. just a even blast, to this day blast, just blast. yeah. Because it's 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 so full of energy, and it's so full of anger and frustration. Yeah, the mods. The yeah, such a perfect uh, 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 visual to associate with that. Mm -hmm. It was I don't know I, I uh, this I don't I'm not a rock and roller. I think I told you that before we even started mm -hmm. talking. But what I do find beyond fascinating is pop culture. Yeah, and I think it's it's uh, so telling of society and it, it's that kind of residue that's left after something happens yeah you get to take a look at that and, and it's it's the the stories you have are into a whole other thing this will i think i told you last time that l i was lucky 13 well i don't know <laughs> yeah. this is getting better i want you to re-hit the book here I want you to, to promote it like hell again. Okay. 
And I want you to come from your mouth as uh, okay. I've taken a look at it online. I think I told you I might have sold one for you today. And I appreciate uh, that. Yeah, no, please, like you need my help. But uh, people, as <laughs> soon as I tell them who I'm talking to and what we're going to be talking about and what you've done with this book and what you are doing with the, the, the selling of the book in certain areas that you can, mm-hmm. everybody's face just changes. And yeah. they kind of want to meet you. And uh, <laughs> I'm trying to, as you know, I, you know, we talked about it and I spoke to Barbara. And uh, I think it's, it, you don't need me to help you do it, but maybe you might uh, be willing to do it. And I'm talking to her again and I'll connect you too. But maybe yeah. one day we can actually meet. And I want you to explain the book in the sense of where it is, how you get it, and what it's really Okay. Doing. Well, the, the book is called um, Join Together with the Band. Uh, it that has a lot of meanings. It's the name of one of their songs. It's also the idea behind the book because it's it's sort of about my journey from, as I said in that very first show, being in the back back row shooting them and then becoming part of their family. Uh, so you can kind of see uh, the pictures in the beginning are far away and they get closer and closer and closer. Um, you can buy the book at all the usual outlets. However. I would ask that you buy it from us at www.jointogetherwiththebook.com. Again, www.jointogetherwiththebook.com. And yes, that www is important. I don't know why. Uh, Because 50% of the profits from the sale of this book will be going to Teen Cancer America which is Pete and Roger's big charity here in the United States. Very quickly, what they are doing is they raise money to build teen cancer wards across the, across the country. Uh, some, of you, some of your listeners may or may not know this. If a teenager has cancer and is battling it, they're either going to stick them in a pediatrics ward or they're going to stick them with grown-ups. And teenagers don't belong in either one of those places. So Roger came up with this in Great Britain. They built out the British Isles. Uh, in about 10 years, and they're now trying to do it in the United States. Uh, this is my way of giving back to them. Um, and so the profits that if you buy it from our website are much higher than if you buy it from the standard outlets. Um, and we have a limited number of already signed books. Um, it comes at a premium, but again, you know, 50% of those profits go to teen cancer, and I can't think of a better thing right now than that when we talk about rock and roll and we talk about kids and you know this is something that's important not only to pete and roger but it's important to me too which is why i wanted to give back it's fantastic so again www.jointogetherwiththebook.com all one word i will tell you today when i told this person about that part of it Mm -hmm. i clinched the deal in a second yeah. Like I told them about the book. Her husband is a huge fan. I told them about what's behind this part of the book. And that sealed the deal hard. And then she well, saw me later and she says to me, hey, thanks a lot, Pat. Now I can't stop singing Join Together with the band for the whole day. There we go. <laughs> so she's, well, she's there. Well, I appreciate that. And here's the other thing for your listeners out there, too. Please. I got Eddie Vedder to write a really, really amazing forward for the book too that the his forward is worth the price of entry and it look it's it's a big book it's 12 inches by 12 inches it weighs 
almost five pounds. It is a true coffee table book. It makes a great gift. Yes. And it's, you know, uh, I'm very, very proud of it. It's got amazing pictures in it um, that I'm proud of. And Eddie's, Eddie's forward is just out of this world. So, you know, if you get the chance, please, if you don't want to buy it for yourself, buy it for somebody else. Because I know exactly. everybody, just like Patrick, everybody <laughs> has a Who fan for a friend. That's right. So if you don't want it, buy it for your friend for the holidays. Well, one of the yes, and one of the things that's going to go on here is I've hired my son to uh, promote my Facebook page for this podcast. Ah, so we're going to capture this onto the podcast as well. The, the, that's what I like to hear, and we're going to promote this for you as well as best we can. Well, thank you very much. It's a great, great cause, and uh, you've been very generous with your time, William. Anytime, I really do appreciate it, and. I'm going to try and get you down here. Uh, you know, Rochester to Long Island is an hour flight, right? A little bit over. I yeah. Flight. Well, or thereabouts. Yep. And, Depends on uh, how far out on the island you are. Well, we're we're right by LaGuardia. Oh, okay. There you go. We're pretty close. But anywho, uh, I'm talking about it for a show, not just to say howdy to me. But I'm talking about well, uh, if you guys are ever down here again. We okay. But anywho. William, thank you so much for your time. This is... And it's been a pleasure, as always. Yeah, I'd like to... It's kind of weird. I'd like to think so. It's been a little over an hour this time. We get along <laughs> well. Say hello to the Aimster for me. I shall. And, and best uh, on your children and your sons. And I, I appreciate hope it. stays well. Uh, and thanks again, dude. Rock. Paper. Pixels. Pixels.